Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Let me say it again. Now that we have been set free and by faith our chains have been broken, we've gone under the waterline to experience our freedom. We are seeking to become the best version of ourselves. And my question is, to what end? For what? The deeper one goes to get closer to God, the more one's life develops an outward focus. I want you to think on that for a moment because everything else I'm going to say is based on that. The deeper we go in our relationship with God, the more our lives become outward-focused. Richard Foster, in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, says, it is clear that service for a Christian is not an option. It is a way of life. Service for a Christian is not something we choose. It is a way we live. Now, I recognize that there are people who see service strictly from an ethical point of view and who serve the world and others without God anywhere in the picture. I recognize that we have some of those in our society today. Thank God for every single one of them. And I recognize that there are Christians who replace God with service. And their good works is not an outflow of their relationship with God, but more an attempt to impress God and to impress others. Neither of which is what Foster nor I are talking about today. What we are saying is that the closer we get to God, the more our lives are committed to serving other people. This is a view of living life the disciples of Jesus had difficulty comprehending. If you listen to the words of the text again in Matthew 20 from the message version, it says, so Jesus got them together to settle things down, which means the argument was getting heated. He said, you've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around and how quickly a little power goes to their heads. It's not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. 
and to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. Jesus not only taught that serving was God's desire for his people, but he modeled it as a way of life. Every day he was about the Father's business, healing people, encouraging people, telling God's story to people. And then to drive it home to his followers, John in his text says this, so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Washing feet was slaves' work. No Jew, even if he was a servant, would wash another's feet, not even his master's feet. It was a task that was reserved for Gentile slaves. Sometimes a child may have washed the feet of his parent. Or maybe a husband or a wife may have washed the feet of their spouse. Maybe a friend may have washed the feet of a friend. But all of these were to demonstrate extreme affection for the person whose feet was being washed. But Jesus took the place of a slave. Before his disciples, he acted as a slave. He willingly humbles himself in order to serve those who was his disciples. He washed the feet of his disciples without being asked to do so. In fact, they were shocked when Jesus began to wash their feet. In their culture, it was a breach of hospitality to fail to wash the feet of a guest. The disciples should have been knocking themselves over to wash Jesus' feet, but they never thought the thought of washing his feet. In fact, they sat around the table waiting for someone to serve them, never thinking once about treating Jesus to being or having his feet washed. Jesus served with no expectation of reward. There is no record that even one of them said thank you. There is no record that even one of them demonstrated appreciation for what Jesus was doing for them. Jesus did what he did just because he wanted to demonstrate service. And he was not looking for anything in return. He served the others with a willing heart. No one twisted his arm. He voluntarily took the place of a slave and served every man around the table. He served those who did not deserve to be served. Think about it. He washed the feet of Simon Peter. And before that night would end, those feet would stand at a Roman fire and deny that their owner even knew who Jesus was. Not once, but three times. He washed the feet of Judas. His feet had already carried him to the Jewish authorities, where he bargained away the life of Jesus for a few pieces of silver. 
And before the night was over, those same feet would carry him back to the Jews where he would completely abandon Jesus before his enemies. He washed the feet of every single one of the other ten. And before that night would end, all those feet would run away in fear. Jesus knew this, and yet he served them as a servant and washed every single one of their feet. In fact, everything that Jesus did that night reminds us of who he was and what he came in this world to do. Let me point out a few. Just as he laid aside his outer garment, the same way he laid aside his heavenly glory to be born in human flesh. He girded himself with a towel the same way he wrapped humanity around his deity in order to serve humankind. He poured water into a basin to cleanse their dirty feet just as he poured out his blood his precious blood to cleanse the dirt of our souls and our inner lives. He washed and dried the feet of the disciples, just like he would wash away all of our sins by his death on Calvary so that every soul could stand free before an almighty God. Amen. But there is something about serving that is not very appealing even though serving is an excellent antidote to pride, there's something about serving that just don't excite us. I read a great quote this week. It said, pride is the only disease known to man that makes everyone sick except the person who has it. Serving doesn't, it doesn't grab us. Our culture is a, is a culture built around self-absorbance. It's natural to be posturing for position, for perks, for prestige, for recognition. We want to be generals, not privates. We want to be servant leaders, not servants. I've been wondering why God would even want us to be a servant. I don't know whether you ever ask God why questions, but I I ask him why questions. Why would you even want us to be servants. And I came up with about four possibilities. And I asked, could it be that being a servant provides us opportunities to display the mindset of kingdom people? Could it be that one of the reasons God wants us to be a servant is so that the world might see the mindset of those who belong in the kingdom of God. Notice again the text that I read earlier. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles 
lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, he said, who wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be last. He was saying that the the kingdom had already begun right there in the group of those, those 12 disciples. But the kingdom was not set up with some who could lord it over others. Instead, the kingdom mindset is that the greatest person would be the servant of all. He redefined what greatness is. He gave greatness a different definition. Greatness from a kingdom's perspective is not one who rules, but one who serves. Even when you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament often spoke of submission and and service. But usually that submission and service was in reference to a person's relationship with God. The Old Testament emphasized submitting and serving God. But Jesus takes this concept of service and he readjusts it. And he says that a servant attitude not only is what one offers to God, but it is what one offers to other people. He was challenging the ethics of the ancient world and he was establishing that kingdom people will be different in the way they do life. They will do life by serving other people because they are motivated by their relationship with God himself. Amen. Paul reinforces that concept in his challenge to the Christians at the church of Philippi. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 from the message version, it says, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. In other words, kingdom people have a distinct mindset that's different than the mindset that exists in non-kingdom people. Kingdom people live their lives with a opposite philosophy than the philosophy you find in the world. The world says, get what you can, walk on who you will, get to the top. The kingdom says, no, serve everybody. Add value to others' lives. Forget about getting to the top. Give yourself to making other people the best that you can make them. Amen. And so we, we march to a different beat. We hear a different sound. We respond in a different way. And could it be that one of the reasons God wants us to be a servant is that he wants us to demonstrate to the world the mindset of those who belong to the kingdom of God. Then I ask again, why, 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 why would you want us to be a servant? And I thought it provides us an opportunity to, to, to follow the example of Jesus. 
Jesus sets himself up as the example in both of these texts. He says in Matthew, that is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not be served. In other words, he was pointing to himself as an example. See what I did? I came to serve, not to be served. And when you get to the John text, he says, when he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place, and then he said, do you understand what I've done? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. There it is again. I'm the example. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. That's how Jesus do that. How was he he able to humble himself and serve his creation? I think there's some lessons we can draw from Jesus that might help us to be better servants. One is he, he had nothing to prove. He didn't have to play games. He didn't project his self-worth. He didn't try to prove himself to anybody. He was comfortable in his own skin. He knew who he was, why he was here, where he was going, what he was trying to do, what he was trying to fulfill. He wasn't trying to impress one blessed soul. He knew his position and he didn't need to flaunt it. He just needed to do what God asked him to do. I wonder. I wonder if we could be better servants if we adapted that same attitude. I wonder if we weren't trying to impress people, whether or not we might be able to serve people. Come on, church now. I wonder if we were more comfortable in our own skin with who we are. Children of God don't need your blessing. I get my blessing from above. Since I have the blessing and favor of God, I am free to serve you. I don't need to impress you. I just need to serve you because that's what God has asked me to do. Amen. He had nothing to lose. He didn't have to guard his reputation. He wasn't in fear of losing his popularity. He knew the father would take care of his needs. And so he took whatever risk he needed to. He knew his calling and he was determined to be faithful to what it was that God had called him to do. He had nothing to lose. I wonder if we realize that we have nothing to lose. Could we serve better? Nothing to lose, nothing to lose. Now, most of us, we get up and we think we got to take care of our day. I've got to take care of this job. 
I've got to jump to that music. I've got to look out for me. And I want to tell you, you may be looking out for me, but you have no control what happens to me. God is the one who's looking out for you. He is providing for you. He is caring for you. He is sustaining you. He is feeding you. He is clothing you. He is taking you through this life's journey. He's got your back. If you realize that you have nothing to lose, would it make it easier for you to serve knowing that God's got everything you need right here for you? Come on, church. Are you hearing me today? What do you think he was trying to say when he said, look at the lilies of the field and the birds in the sky? What was he saying? He's saying your heavenly father takes care of them. Who do you think's taking care of you? When you get that pink slip and your heart sinks to the floor and you're wondering what I'm going to do and fear grips you, you've forgotten. God's got you. How many pink slips over a lifetime have you gotten? And you're still here. You're still eating. You're still being cared for. You're still being watched over. Some of you got 10 pink slips. You got new cars. You got new clothes. You got a new house. God keeps finding a way to take care of you, to provide for you. Come on. Anybody in this place know what I'm talking about? He keeps finding a way. He finds a way. And sometimes you think I'm at the end. I don't know what I'm going to do. My savings are gone, and you're still here. That was 30 years ago. Those savings were gone, and God is still finding a way to take care of you. Amen. And when you develop that attitude, he's got me. It sets you free. You have nothing to lose. I can serve. I can give. I can help. I can add value because God's got me. He's got me in the hollow of his hands. Amen. Amen. Jesus had nothing to prove. He had nothing to lose. He had nothing to hide. He didn't keep up a facade. There was no image that he was trying to project. He was vulnerable. He was transparent. His integrity meant that what you see is what you get. And he just went about serving, doing what it was that the father had asked him to do. His goal was not to become a celebrity or to maintain an image. His goal was to obey God, and God took care of him, just like he takes care of you. Amen. And maybe you're thinking, well, you know, God does take care of me, but it's with stress. You may be thinking like I used to do. When I was working in San Francisco, I was responsible for raising all the money for our staff. $50,000 a month I had to raise. 15th and 30th, those payrolls were due. I was responsible. And there were times, I'm going to tell you folks, there were times on the 14th we didn't have it. And I would be praying and sweating and scrapping and 
come on, God, what are we going to do? And somehow on the 15th, everybody got paid. Somehow on the 30th, everybody got paid. And I would say to God, God, you know, I love the way you provide. But can't you provide on the 14th? Why take me through this stress? And I felt like God said to me, that's your problem. You're the one stressing. I told you I would provide. Have I not provided? Yeah, you provide, but God. And some of us, would, we're saying, yeah, God provides, but he puts me through the stress. No, that's you. God is faithful to every promise he's ever made. And he is true to his word. Amen. And maybe, maybe, maybe we could be better servants if we could just like Jesus realize I'm in his hands. I don't have to worry. Amen. I think there's a third reason why God wants us to be a servant. It provides us opportunities to pursue lives of significance rather than success. Our our culture worships at the altar of success, even though we don't even know what it is. Because some of us, we think if I could just get a lot of money, and you talk to people who have a lot of money, and they'll tell you, man, it's not all you think it is. You talk to people who's got popularity, and they'll tell you, yeah, you, you know, everybody's mind of my name, but it, it ain't all it appears to be. We don't even know what success is, but we all just run toward get that. And maybe, maybe, maybe why God wants us to be a servant is because he is trying to say to us, significance is what I want for your life, not success. I found a text the other day that describes the stages of success, which I thought was rather cute. It says this, at age four, success is not peeing in your pants. At age 12, success is having friends. At age 16, success is having a driver's license. At age 25, success is sex. At age 35, success is having money. At age 50, success is having more money. At age 60, success is having sex. (laughs) Those of you who are not 60 didn't get that, but those who are 60. At age 70, success is having a driver's license. At age 75, success is having friends. At age 80, success is not peeing in your pants. (laughs) Those of you who are not 80 yet, you didn't get that yet. This kind of puts life in perspective, doesn't it? But what, but what defines a successful life? 
Because success means different things to different people at different stages of life. What does it mean for a life to have force and impact? What does it mean for a life to make a difference, to be significant, to leave a mark for all eternity? The key to the greatness, the greatest, the most dynamic, most impactful life that has ever been lived was marked by servanthood, and that was Jesus the Christ, who divided civilization and just by being a servant to the world. We all want life that makes a difference. We all want a life of significance. So why, why do we trade a life of significance for a life of selfishness? It is, it is, it is not what we really want. Is it because we don't think serving will give us the life we long for? Or is it because we don't get the right picture because we're looking at the wrong thing? Is it because we don't see the big picture, the real purpose for our being on this planet, and we miss what really matters in our pursuit of that which is not significant? We will never give ourselves to something bigger than ourselves if we only see ourselves. It takes more for significance. Servanthood marked the life of the person who split history in half, Jesus the Christ. And he did it by coming to serve, not to be served. And that's what gives power to life. That's what gives force to life. That's what makes your life significant when you give yourself to serving others. And could it be, could it be, that God wants us to be servants because being a servant gives to your life significance, which is what God wants each of us to experience and enjoy while we're on this planet. My final reason. I think God wants us to be a servant because it provides us an opportunity to get close to him. Wherever there is pain, wherever there is brokenness, wherever there is suffering, wherever there is injustice and heartache, that's where God is. God is there. And if you want to walk or work side by side with God, go to those places. And you will find him there. Around 250 A.D., there was a group of early Christians that lived in right around the city of Carthage. They called themselves the gamblers. These were the people who, when the city of Carthage went through its great plague, and so many people died from the plague that they were stacked head high along the streets. It was these Christians who went into that city got those dead bodies and buried them, risking their lives in order to serve the citizens of a city that didn't even like them. Working side by side with God. 
You want to get close to God? Serve people. You want to sense his presence in a special way? Serve people. You will hear his voice speaking to you as you reach out to heal some of the pain of our broken world. It's God's world. He comes to pain. He'd love to have you side by side doing what you can to heal the brokenness. It's not enough to watch television and talk about how messed up the world is. It's more to ask God, how can I serve and make a difference? Wasn't it Jesus who said, if you just gave a cup of water? He said, where where can I serve? All over the place. All over the place. There are people who need to be served. Some of them live in your house. Some of them live next door. Some of them work in the cubicle right next to you. Broken. Loss. In need. Jesus says that I'm going to take on a towel. And I'm going to wash the feet of all of you disciples. I'm going to serve you. And I'm going to do it even though I'm the creator of the universe to show you this is what kingdom people do. They serve. So when Pastor Murphy was up here a few minutes ago, you brought your chain and you you said you're by faith claiming freedom. And my response would be, okay, now what? Some of us will be claiming that freedom until Jesus comes and never get on to what God wants us to be free for. He wants us to be free to serve. So you brought your chain back today. I want you to pick up the towel. I want you to leave the chain in the bucket. But I want you to take a towel when you walk out. Because I want to challenge you to serve. I'm going to ask our hosts if they would bring the towels forward. And they're going to bring these towels and they're going to stand in these key places. And I'm going to ask you to think for a minute before you come. And I want you to ask God, how can I serve? Where can I serve? What way do you want me to serve? Now, here's what the devil will say. He will say, you got enough problems of your own. Why in the world would you want to take on other people's problems? 
and I would say, you tell the devil, my problems is God's problem. He has set me free to serve. He'll take care of my business. I'm going to take care of his. And watch and see what God does when you commit yourself to serve. So I'm going to just stand here. And those beautiful ladies over there are going to sing. And we're going to let you get up and come and get a towel. Because of your commitment to your relationship with God. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m., and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.